Hi folks, name me a time of year that is more inspirational than Christmas. Tough, isn't it? I love this time of year. And if you're listening to the podcast just as it's been published, then we're right into the heart of preparing for Christmas. So, whether you're prepping the sprouts, wrapping presents, or planning for Auntie Maud's arrival and a need for a glass of sherry, only Harvey's Bristol Cream will do, of course, then Trevor and I are delighted to join you in those preparations as we discuss how we can be inspirational. You know, inspiring is just synonymous with breathing life. You shared a story and it gave life to this other person's relationship. That's what inspiration does. It it gives life. It, it breeds something new in another person. Okay, so let's get on with the show. I don't know about you, but I've still got so many presents to wrap, which, by the way, reminds me of one of my traditional pre-Christmas pastimes, finding the end of the sellotape. Anyone with me on that? Okay, let's go. So do you know what? It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. So thanks so much for giving up some time in your Christmas week to uh, to join Trevor and I. Um, now, I did suggest to Trevor that as we were recording this so close to Christmas that maybe we should wear our Christmas jumpers. But Trevor, I understand you've never owned one. <laughs> I'm just not a Christmas jumper or a onesie kind of person, Dave. I'm really sorry. Well, and uh, the nearest I ever got is uh, I took my son skiing one year and we were right close to Christmas and we wore Santa Claus hats on the slopes. That's the nearest I've got. Excellent. Well, I'm ashamed you didn't dig it out tonight and you could have kind of had uh, our Father Christmas hats on. But we've not. We've not. So we're going to uh, dive into becoming Mandela. Um, and yeah, hoping that this has a little bit of a festive feel to it. But, you know, we want to talk about being inspired and many people find Christmas an inspirational time. So uh, there, maybe this is an appropriate uh, chapter for us to look in at this, at this time of year. So the subtext to this is that you breathe out what you breathe in. So maybe the first thing that kind of want to open up the conversation tonight is that um, when I was looking through this section of the book is that you you talk about the fact that we can all be inspiring, but we need others to define that for us. So explain a little bit about that. Well, just to back up a bit on that. So I've done loads of work over the years in training leaders from all backgrounds, all cultures. And one of the things you do is get the flip chart out and say, so tell me what you think the characteristics of leaders are. And I I think almost without exception, every single time, the one word that is common to all sheets of flip chart is the word inspiring. Sure. So there's something about inspiration that stands out, particularly around leaders, people who are making a difference uh, in whatever aspect of the world. So what struck me, obviously, that Nelson Mandela was inspiring. And where my thinking was going is, Many people would say, but I'm not. So that's the bit that caught me is how we write ourselves out of some of these characteristics of of elders and leaders. So I, I dug into it a bit more and I said, well, what's the nature of inspiration? And um, that's what we'll explore this evening. But the, 
the phrase I kind of ended up, and it sounds a little cliched, but it has hopefully some depth to it, is you will be inspiring if you are inspiring. Now, I just need to unpack that because it sounds a little bit clever. But the idea of, of course, inspiring, inspire to inspire is to breathe in. That's what the word comes from. So that's to inspire, breathe in. So if you think about what inspiring means, it means that somebody's done something that has allowed me to breathe in life, because that's what breathing in does. Breath is what keeps the body alive. We breathe in to bring to give life. Sure. So inspiration is we're breathing in something from this person, might be something they said, might be something they did, but we breathe that in and something happens in us and we call that inspiration. So when people say, well, I can't be inspiring, I couldn't be like Mandela, I'm saying, yes, you can, because Mandela was inspiring because he spent his life breathing in to his own life. And maybe we can unpack that a bit. He was breathing in in many, many dimensions of his life. And because he was breathing in so much in terms of his own learning, growth, development, it meant when he breathed out through his words, through his actions, all of that came out. So he was inspiring others sure. because of what he was investing in in himself. So then I thought, well, that means we can all become inspiring. If we focus not on becoming inspiring, because I don't I don't think you can focus on, oh, I want to be inspiring, you know, Dave, I want you to see me inspire. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. You can't kind of pitch yourself as an inspiring person. But if you focus on the investments that you are breathing into your life, then by definition, you're going to breathe that out you will be inspiring. So is it then almost, you know, the the characteristics of Mandela that we've looked at so far, which is the things about like having a passionate purpose and being aspirational, etc. Is is it partly that this characteristic is almost a byproduct of really focusing on the other aspects of our character and the things that we do? And it's almost that that by having a passionate purpose and living that out, that we develop this sense of being inspirational would you would you yes i think that's one area so let's say let's take per passionate purpose if you've spent time investing in what is your passionate purpose you've thought about it you've dug into it you've journaled you've discussed you, you've kind of agitated on the subject and it you've really put a lot of investment into yourself and then what you come up with, what you touch, really is rooted in your heart and your mind, your gut. So it's deeply rooted in you, all that work on your passionate purpose. So when you have a conversation with someone and they say, well, what's your purpose? What you breathe out is going to be some real depth. It's going to be some real life to it because it's alive in you. It will be alive when it comes out of you and other people will see that. They'll go, whoa, there's some life here. So it could be that, but uh, my wife's an artist and uh, we talk a lot about inspiration. And I watch her because she inspires others through her art. Right. Um, she brings huge energy and color and creativity and texture and design. And people look at that and go, wow. Um, but it doesn't happen by accident. 
<laughs> I watch her walk around the fields and she's looking at the light. She's looking at the trees. She'll look at cow parsley and she'll stop and she'll study it. And she won't just study it from one angle. She'll study it from three and watch how the light shares. So it's this constant process of she's breathing in. She's looking. She's thinking. She's processing. She's looking at other artists. She's feeding on the work of other artists. So all the time she's breathing in. So, of course, she's not trying to be inspiring. But when she breathes out through her art, that's what happens. It inspires others. Sure. And I can vouch for that because every time I come around here to record this podcast, there's usually a piece of art that she's just been working on that's in your dining room or ready to go to some exhibition. And, uh, yeah, always have to have a stop and have a look and have a wow moment. It's uh, certainly the work that she produces is incredible. So let's move on then. In the, in the book, you talk about this character, George Roberts, and, and how... Yeah, how he inspired. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. So we should share that. Yes. So uh, how old was I? I must have been 20, 19, 20. I can't remember exactly. Around about then. So I was involved which was with something that was called Open Youth Work. So Open Youth Work um, was the name that was given to when you were doing the kind of work, youth work, when you were working with uh, pretty scary groups of young people sometimes. I mean, you'd be working youth centres, the lights would go out, someone's hands would be around your neck. It was it was a little bit edgy sometimes. Um, so it was called Open Youth Work. So I went to a conference up in uh, Norfolk one time, a group of us who were involved in our particular areas, Open Youth Work. Uh, and we went there and went to the centre and spent the day in and out of sessions at this centre. And what I remember about it, I couldn't tell you a thing I learned about the conference at all. What I do remember at the end of the day, we couldn't rush off. We were waiting for, I don't know whether we were waiting for someone to pick us up or there's a problem with the car. I remember going into the lounge of the conference center and there were two people there. And one of the people was by the coffee cups and we were making a cup of tea and he was saying, what have you been doing? What have you been learning? And I think we were talking about probably inspirational leadership or something. And they and there's this other guy sitting in the corner quietly on a chair. Um, and, and and the guy by the coffee cup says, he's the guy you need to talk to. He's the guy. Totally unassuming guy. Uh, and he said, you need to go and talk to him. He said, because he won't readily tell you his story. He said, but in the time of Idi Amin, this guy, George, was a missionary in Uganda. And when all the missionaries were being kicked out of the country and being pulled out and told to go and told to leave, he was the only, if not one of the only missionaries who said, I have lived with these people for decades and they have my heart. I, I'm not, you know, I identify with them. They are my family. I can't just walk away. And he didn't. So he stayed and knowing that it would probably cost him his life. Um... So we did. We went over and had a chat with this guy, this unassuming guy that, I don't know, you might see sitting in the corner of a library or a bus shelter or whatever. And he just talked his story and talk about inspired. But I think the interesting thing to me about inspiration is that inspiration is not, um, it's not a generality. When we talk about, oh, they were so inspiring. I kind of think we need to dig a little bit more specifically and say, what was it about George 
that was inspiring. You know, did he inspire you to go and paint pictures? No, no, he didn't do it. Did he inspire you to go and write back? No, he didn't do that. So what was it about him that actually inspired you? And I, I thought about it and I thought his humility inspired me. Right. Here is someone who's probably going to has done more than most of us will ever do in our lifetime in terms of genuine impact on a, a group of people um, and showing more love, more empathy, more concern than most of us will ever touch. So his humility inspired me. His courage inspired me. So here's someone who is willing to actually believe something and die for it. Now you read about that. And, and now I'm talking with George, here is such a person. So I think humility and courage uh, and love were what inspired me about him. And so, and just listening to that story um, makes me realise that part of what probably makes us inspiring too is that there's an authenticity about us. So, So we... You know we're authentic in the things that we say, and it's almost that that authenticity that that it helps to inspire others. Is that yes? Is that... I think that's right, and I think because the opposite would be is I uh, just mentioned before. If I try to be inspiring, if I market or label myself as inspiring, it's pretty much most of the time that comes from ego. You know, I want to be seen as a certain kind of person. Uh, I, I want to be known. I want to be seen. I want to be famous. I want to be people to go wow. That's much more about ego. I don't think it's about inspiration. The authenticity is that something real has gone on inside of you so that when you open your mouth or when you take an action, it just comes out. I think that's what inspiration is. It just flows out. So it to when someone is inspiring, truly inspiring, it's because it is genuinely authentic. Sure. And so... I think in the book you talk about the you know how you've been inspired by by others and I suppose part of the thing we need to understand is what is it that inspiring people do to inspire us um I th- I think that's a vast question because it could be anything um when Jane and I were talking about actually this chapter around inspiration you know, we were, we were talking about one piece of art uh, in particular. Uh, and what we were saying is there are, I think we identified between six and eight different ways that people could be inspired by the same piece of art. You know, someone might say, oh, wow, the texture is amazing. Someone might say the design is amazing. Someone might say the composition is amazing. Someone might say the, the yeah, the color, the richness, the texture, the design um, the size. Some people just say, well, you know, to capture all that in such a small size. So anything can be inspiring in any dimension of life if it breathes life into another person. So you might right. meet another parent, you know, at the school gate and they chat with you. Um, let's say, you know, we've talked before about doing days away with our kids or special treats or, you know, I, I remember when I heard that the first time, as a young parent, I was inspired. And inspiration meant someone told me their story. This is what I do with my kids. I take them on, you know, solo days with dad and they get solo days with mum or we go away for the weekend or on a trip of their choosing. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And it was amazing because they did it. 
they weren't reading me a chapter of a book. It's like they did that. That inspired me to go and do that. And I think that's the nature of inspiration. So someone might inspire you to cook. You know, you might go somewhere for a meal and you love that meal and you go, wow. And you say, that must be so difficult to do. And they said, no, it was really easy. And do you want the recipe? And they've inspired you to, well, let's give that a go. Or um, let's, why don't you have a go on the piano? So I, I think as many areas of life as you can think of are potential areas of inspiration. And you talk about how um, in the book, when you, you went through your battle with prostate cancer mm. and you talked about how Mandela and uh, it was Desmond Tutu mm. inspired you um, because they, they'd travelled that journey as well. But the point was that they they didn't set out on that journey with the intention of being inspirational and they didn't even actually know that they'd inspired you. No, and I think absolutely. that's part of what this inspiration is about, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the fact that we don't actually know that we're being inspirational. Yes. So b both, as you say, Tutu and Mandela had, had prostate cancer and, and it's, a, it's a kind of a by comment in books that they've written and, and the rest of it, they've, neither of them made a big thing about it. But they both been, had both been through treatment survived the treatment and um, so when that was a real issue for me and I was diagnosed with prostate cancer it, it it came to me oh these guys have made that journey now it also comes back to the issue of the elders you know yeah. where are the elders you were at the time like this is like well who's who's been down this road before and of course lots of people have been down this road well two people that I admire Tutu and Mandela They've been down this road. What did I learn? What did I learn from them? And as you say, it was they did. They didn't set out to inspire me, um, but but they did because they authentically lived through that experience. And what it said to me is, and so therefore, Trevor, can you? People that you respect have walked this walk this, this journey. And so you can walk this journey and you can grow through this journey. I think that was the big thing is right. you don't have to just endure this. These people who you admire grew as human beings through the experience. So you go, okay, so how do I grow through this experience? And I think that's the thing that I learned from this section on, on, on inspiration was that I'm not sure how often I've been inspirational to to others but the few occasions when somebody's fed back to me you know and actually you gave the, the an example there you know I've made quite a big thing and tell lots of people the stories about how I do a dad and daughter day with both my girls and we go away uh, and just have a day and I wanted to have that time with them from a really young age so hopefully that brought me the credibility to be able to when they were wanting to spend less time with dad that we'd got this established as a as a routine and a, and something that we did and that would give me a chance to speak into their lives when they were older and that's kind of how it's how it's turned out but I remember I, I so I regularly share that story but I just remember quite recently being at an industry event someone I hadn't seen for a few years um, and who's got children that were a lot younger than me um, and he just happened to say to me I have to tell you, he said, dad and daughter days. He said, you got me on it. And it's the Brilliant. best thing ever. Yeah. And and so I told that story to him probably a few years ago more because it was, you know, I, I'd enjoyed my dad and daughter days and I was telling it more mm. about me than to be inspiring. But it's, sometimes it's those things that we're, we're sort of passionate about within ourselves that that then enable us to be, yes. inspire others, isn't it? I think so. And, and we, we won't know most of the impact that we have. 
sometimes we get we get a glimpse, don't we? We 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 get a glimpse. But I I think even you telling that story again just makes me keep wanting to come back to, you know, inspiring is just synonymous with breathing life. You shared a story and it gave life to this other person's relationship. That's what inspiration does. It it gives life. It it breeds something new in another person. And that when I saw the the subtitle, you know, you breathe out what you breathe in, I, I couldn't see the relationship of that to inspiration. So that got me curious. And and I suppose that's but that's really the nub of it, isn't it? That actually what we need to focus on is what it is that we are we are breathing out, what it is that we are sharing about our, our life and everything else. And that enables us to kind of inspire inspire others. Mm. And I think there's a phrase in the book as well that I'd, I'd like you to really un, unpick for us a bit now. And that's where um, you talked about that the lessons for those of us that are about being inspiration is that people that are inspirational are all gripped by something that's bigger than themselves. And I thought that was a that was a great quote. So just yes, well, again, again, it came out of a conversation with Jane. Uh, we have much rich discussion about inspiration. Uh, and I remember asking her at one point. I said, "So, what is it that these people that we're saying are inspiring have in common?" And she said, "They're all gripped by something bigger than themselves." So, if we set out say, "I want to be inspiring," that's a, that's about as big as our ceiling is because that's about us. But the people who are inspiring aren't setting out to be inspiring. They are they're wanting to change the world in some way. They they are wanting to be bigger people. They are wanting to make an influence and an impact in some way, somewhere. They want to breathe life into some area of life. They've got a bigger frame around who they are than just self. Um, um We'll probably talk more about that when we, when we talk about depth. But I think we're, we're, we become as big as the thing that we worship. And I'm not using that word in the religious sense of that word. Sure. But worship as in what we get our worth from. So that's what worship means. Where do you get your worth from? So if I get my worth from just myself... That's how big my worth will be. If I get my worth from the extent of my relationships with people who are close to me, well, that's how big my worth will be. If I get it from myself, my relationships, and those who I don't know so well, or is is there more to life than what we see in front of us? Is there not just personal? Is there transpersonal, beyond the personal? Are there other dimensions of reality? So however big my frame is, then it allows me to breathe deeper, basically. <laughs> if you like, it gives me bigger lungs. And I think Jane's point was these people have got big lungs. They're breathing deep because their worldview is big and wide. Sure. So, I mean, we, as always, we'll get on in a moment to to the questions and the, and the challenges and the takeaways. But I suppose what what I get, what I found from this chapter and, and what I'd like you to just maybe just verbalize a bit more for us before we go on to that is so what are the what are the takeaways what are the things that we that we learn about inspiration that we need to apply to the way that we live our lives i suppose to come back to contextualize that question a bit better so this is about becoming mandela this is about how we can learn from mandela to become the best versions of our of ourselves and so 
what is it we learn from from the element of him being inspirational that we can apply to the way we live our lives to become mm. better versions of ourselves? Yeah, that's good. Um, so the question I would then ask is, where am I breathing in? So let's take Mandela as an example. He spent a lot of time with people in desperate situations. So he trained as a lawyer, but he didn't train as a rich person's lawyer. He trained as an advocate in Soweto. So um, very, very challenging environment. So he's dealing with people who are desperately poor and at the, the nub end of some of the worst injustice that could be experienced. That's So he's he's breathing in their stories. So he's sure. hearing it firsthand. He's not reading it in a book. So he's doing that. If you look at even in prison, he's always learning. He's always reading. He's always trying to get hold of reading stuff. He sets up a university inside. I mean, he got degrees when he was in in prison. He got other people studying and learning and um, investing in themselves because that's what he was doing all the time. He's learning, talking. Um, Every day when the... Those prisoners like Mandela that were in solitary confinement when they're locked up, they were together in the rock quarries. And at lunchtime when they were allowed to stop, they talked. They talked and they discussed and they they invested in what could the future look like. And they debated and they disagreed and they really wrestled with these issues to to try and learn more, Um, take religion. Uh, so Mandela was of the view that a faith, the having a bigger a bigger view of life, was crucial, right? In terms of creating a, a stronger kind of axis or leverage on some of these big issues, and he wasn't advocating a particular religion. But what you see is, whenever he could, he would attend the services of all the religions. Wow. So he's investing in all of them because he's trying to learn. How do they think? What do they do? Why do they do this? What's important? What does their God look like? And, and how are they investing in that? So these are just examples of, of investing. What, what are you breathing in? What are you breathing in? So translate that then. I would say to people is, so what are you reading right now? What are the conversations that you're having? What are you, what are you breathing in in terms of your learning? What are you doing in terms of your body? What are you terms are you doing with your mind? What are you doing with your emotions? What are you doing with your relationships right now? Um, how are you stretching your memory capacity, your learning capacity? What are you feeding yourself with? Um, and I think I, I think there's a, 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 a benefit and a danger of our internet world because we have access to stuff. You know, we can Google anything. So we've got access to all kinds of learning. We really have no excuse to not be learning and investing and investing. And flip that round, you could spend two hours on Twitter or Facebook and do nothing. Yeah. So all of that time where you could have been breathing in fresh air in some area of learning, the best you're doing is breathing in stale air half of the time, or you're caught in some kind of echo chamber or hall of mirrors where everybody who agrees with you is agreeing with you or everyone who disagrees with you is disagreeing with you and, and there's no real depth and learning and discussion and understanding. Um, so I think 
that for me is the big thing is where where are you breathing in what are you breathing in um and then i think i would pay attention to your reaction to when you feel inspired see i think we say right. people, oh that was so inspiring i, I want to push us harder i want to push us harder and say what was inspiring uh, i know you have that experience when you're walking along and then suddenly there's this strong smell out in the air and you react because your nostril picks up this strong smell. I think often the reaction is to kind of almost shut the breathing off, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the defense response because it might be dangerous. And then you realize actually it was a really nice smell. Uh, why didn't I breathe it in more? So I think sometimes when we're inspired, we kind of go oh, and we feel an emotion, we feel a rush of something, and then it's like we shut it off. We don't do anything with it. So some life has come into you, into your mind, your body, your emotion, through whatever you've seen, piece of music, concert, conversation. Some air has come into your psyche. What is it? Where is it lighting up inside of you? So kind of lean into it rather than lean away from it. What is it that's inspiring me? Like we talked uh, about George. What exactly is it? You know, Because you could have a meeting with George this missionary guy and come away saying, Oh, that was lovely. He was so inspiring, but nothing changes for it to change. I think you've got to let it get to you. You've got to really say, what was it? What part of me did that light up? Because what happens with inspiration, inspiration is showing you the possibility of who you could become. Right. That's what it's doing. It's turning a light on and saying, here is something that you could become. Because they're not trying to inspire you. Something in you is being inspired. So it's recognizing a desire, a hunger, a possibility in you. Oh, oh, I wonder if, or maybe I could. Could I? Or what if I did in any of these areas? So I think that leaning in, becoming more specific to ourselves when we have this experience of what we call inspiration. Wow, there's so much rich stuff there, and it sparks hundreds of questions. But I want to go back to one thing that you said just just as we started to talk about that question. You talked about the world that we now live in, and um, I wonder whether you think that actually with the advent of Google and phones, etc., whether actually finding stuff out has become too easy. Um, you know, we can just look something up, whereas, um, you know, before... Before the internet, before mobile phones, there was much more research and thinking that we had to. This is slightly our eyes veering away from inspiration, but it just fascinated me. I always remember, just to again sidetrack for a moment, but but I think you'll see the relevance of it. Remember hearing once Judy Murray talk about why um, she felt that the likes, one of the reasons why Murray and Federer and Djokovic and Nadal have dominated tennis for so for so long. And aside from that, obviously they're great tennis players, but but she said that they were the last age group to grow up without mobile phones. And when you play tennis, tennis is at that level is a very um, of all sports is very cerebral. It's it's down to it's just you on the court and you've got to work out and find a way to win. And they'd been used to working out and trying to find answers, whereas those that were growing up that were just a bit younger than them, if they needed an answer, they just went look at their phone. And and the problem was that now you can just go and look at your phone and it tell you how you're going to beat and you're going to win matches. And it was fascinating to hear her say that. And that just 
jumped into my head as you were talking about about that. So do we almost need to develop that ability to work at the answers ourselves rather than just look it up on our phone or turn to Google? Yes, what a big question that is. And there are, again, there isn't one answer, is it? Because there are some things that we value so much where we can just Google, what's the answer to this? When did that happen? What's the backstory on this? And it, and it's really helpful. The, the, the danger, like you say, is when we lose the struggle. Exactly. Because <laughs> muscle is developed through struggle, whether that's moral muscle, emotional muscle, um, intellectual muscle. It's, it's developed through the struggle. Um, you know, we talk about mastery. Mastery is that I don't just learn to do something, but I learn how to do that thing day after day after day. You know, and it would take tennis players or any sports people. It's not that you can win a match today. <laughs> it's that you could do it again tomorrow and tomorrow and the day after and the day out. So that's mastery. And that takes the struggle and the learning. Um, and I, I don't think the internet age forecloses on that. I don't think it needs to. But I think it requires a lot of discipline. And, you know, I catch myself thinking, yes, Trevor, you've just followed that thing on Twitter. And, and at what point is that interesting? And what point is it stopping you getting on and doing something that actually would be really helpful? And, and for me, reading is a very important thing, whether that's in books or in Kindle or whatever it is. And the I was going to say the struggle of reading something and trying to digest it and what what do they mean here? What do they mean? Th that struggle is where the learning is really going to come for me. Um, because otherwise we kind of hope that we'll learn by osmosis. So I'll read this and read this and read this. And I hope it kind of hope it permeates by osmosis somehow. But actually, no, you, you, you've got to invest in it, haven't you? You've got to give yourself to it somehow. And that's the breathing in. It's got to but and maybe if you use the breathing analogy, I think sometimes we breathe in stale air and and just reading echo chambers on the internet of stuff you already know. Well, that's it's air, but it's stale air. It's not really sure. feeding your body. So I think there's that. But then we've got shallow breathing. So it's keeping you alive, mm -hmm. but it's not helping you to thrive. So we do quick breaths of taking in a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. Great. But where's, where's the deep breath? Where's the investment in some area? Yeah, I love that. I think that's brilliant. And I have to say that when I read this chapter and just talking to you, you now as we are chatting through the topic of inspiration, I understand inspiration in a way that I never understood it before. So I kind of want to just thank you for that <laughs> because, because actually... Yeah, if you'd have asked me before this, I'd have thought inspiration. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I know what that's about. Probably would have thought, yeah, I, I'm not particularly inspirational, but I could have named others that were. But yeah, you've helped me to understand this whole concept of breathing in and breathing out and and developing ourselves. Um, it's thrown a whole new light on it. So so yes, yeah, so I'm sure right. there are people listening that think that as well. So so thank you. Uh, as I say, it's a chapter that that. Um, well inspired me there you go that's the that's probably the best way of summing it up so 
Before we go, we need to, as ever, go through our kind of um, takeaways. Um, so these are sort of the questions that those of you that are listening can go away and think about, or maybe by the time you've, you know, the, the crackers have all been pulled and, the, you know, grandma's asleep in the sofa and you finish the game of Monopoly and you're wondering, well, what should we chat about now? Here's a, here's a couple of questions that maybe you can ask around the, yes, uh, the so, Christmas table. So, so, so far away. Yeah, well, at the end of the chapter then, so the first question is, and it would be a good Christmas lunch question, and uh, it's, so who's had the greatest inspirational impact on your life so far and why that is the important bit the second bit of the question is to try and start thinking not just oh they were inspired why were they inspired what did it light up what area in you has it lit up where you've seen the possibilities in yourself that you hadn't seen before sure so I always end up giving a business analogy or a business story, but there you go. It probably says a lot about me, but I'm going to tell you about Eddie Barber. So Eddie would definitely be in that category of who's inspired me. And Eddie was my football coach from the age when I played football for my local team from about 12 years old through until I was about 17 or 18. And he inspired me because of, uh, I mean, by his own admission, he wasn't probably the most tactically brilliant football coach but he motivationally he was he was fantastic so he really was able to motivate us and got us to believe in ourselves and he just one of the last things he said before we walked out the changing rooms was um if you believe you can achieve and I can still remember that now so there was a lot that he did in terms of of our football team and he took us from being a team that I think one season early on we drew four games and lost the rest and he took us to by the time we were 17 or 18 same group of lads he got us you know finishing second or third in the league we got to cup finals um so he actually turned us a performance around as well um but the one thing that he left me with was that he he'd started out working with just a second-hand van and was replacing windows for people and he just drove around his van replacing windows and out of that he'd built a business which even in those days which we'd now be talking 40 years ago was a million pound was a multi-million pound turnover business of double glazing and um and he'd he'd built this business from scratch and he and he built it up and he'd motivated his salespeople and yeah he was a naturally gifted salesperson i'm sure but behind that, he built a team of people. And it was quite a high-profile business in the area where I grew up in, in North London. And he inspired me to believe that if you want to do something, you can go on and do it. And it was watching and hearing him tell some of the stories as we were driving to some of the matches about how he set the business up and what he'd done that made me want to run my own business. So why was he so inspirational? Because he sowed that seed mm. in me at 12, 13 or 14 to say... Well, if you want to run your own business, you can do it. Of course you can. Why not? And I, I credit him with with really the giving me that that fire to to want to go and run my own business and and start my own business, which you know I did thirty four years ago, and it and it's still fortunately going, and it's still still part of what I do and part of what I love, to be honest. So yeah, so Eddie, without doubt, inspired me because of the way that he made me believe that 
yeah, I could go and achieve something if I really wanted to. And and the story of how he'd, he'd grown his business from mm. from nothing into into quite a successful business. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that so Eddie would be Eddie would be one. And I think I want to come back to the second one actually, and just pick up on a point that you that you talked about earlier, where you where you talked about sometimes the inspiration comes from the struggle, and um, and so. You know, my wife really inspired me with the way that she handled, uh, like you, she had a spell with cancer and hers was quite advanced. I think you might have mentioned that before in an earlier edition of the podcast. But Miranda's approach to it was, whereas, you know, she was only 35, 36 when she was diagnosed and there would be an element of thinking, you know, why on earth has this happened to me? And I always remember her saying to me, well, why shouldn't it happen to me? You know, why, why, why should I be any different? You know, so, so her approach was very much, well, this is sometimes what happens. It's happened to me. Um, I can't control that. I just got to get on and deal with it. And she never lost a sense of determination. She never lost a sense of hope. And she never sort of developed, despite the fact that she was on some pretty intense chemo at times which had a real effect on her on her health but she never kind of developed that sort of victim mentality or feeling sorry for herself she just basically said i'm gonna get up in the and get up in the morning put my makeup on i put my wig on which is what she had to do at times for a while then i'm gonna tackle the day and and just simply by doing the basic things and the way that she after our kids that were only five and two at that stage was yeah was truly inspirational because she met that struggle face on mm. and and ultimately yeah she was fortunate enough thanks to medical science to to survive and still be here but but she was inspirational in the way she dealt with adversity and the struggle mm. brilliant great examples thank you so let me put you on the spot with the second question. What are you reading right now? Um, you know, what's interesting you? Where? What are you feeding yourself with? And the follow-up to that is, how do you share that with others? So what are you breathing in, but how are you breathing it out? So the book I'm reading right now is by a guy called Erwin McManus, who's a um, preacher and a leader of a, a church, actually, in, in Los Angeles, which I imagine you know, a fairly modern looking church in Los Angeles is going to be on the edge of, uh, of that sort of spectrum. And, and that, that church is called Mosaic and he's written a book called uh, the last arrow. Um, and it's kind of appropriate for some of the things that we've been talking about really in becoming Mandela, which maybe is one of the reasons why, why I'm reading it right now, but, but he's basically, his principle of the book is that we are given, uh, a full set of, arrows in our in our quiver um and how many are you going to use up we've got a certain length of time we've got a certain length of life and so it's really important that when you get to the end you've kind of used your last arrow it's in other words it's about living life to the full it's about making sure that actually you throw everything you've got at life in in all the resources that you that you possibly can and all the ways that you can don't hold anything back in whatever situation uh, you're in yeah, I found it a, a fascinating read. The challenging part of your question for me is that, yeah, I'm not sure I've told too many people about that or, or, or kind of relayed that back. So so maybe that's the thing that I need to, to do more of. But certainly it's a book that I'm probably now about two thirds of the way through. And it's, um, it is inspiring and it is, 
it is certainly encouraging for me in terms of, of making sure that whatever I'm doing, I'm giving it my all. So let's follow that through. If tomorrow you had an opportunity to share with someone, someone's, this is what I'm reading right now and this is what I'm learning from it. This is what's really capturing my attention. What, what are the two or three things you'd want to share with them that you have been inspired by? What, what, what are the key? I think it's... How are you going to breathe into others? Yeah, sure. So I think what I would be sharing is it's about spotting the opportunities and going for it and pursuing it with everything that you possibly can. So I think there are many occasions in life where we find ourselves in, in certain situations and it's a question about whether, you know, should we, should we go for it or, or, or do we just let that opportunity pass by? And I think his encouragement is that you absolutely should, you know, fire your arrow. You should, you know, get another one out of the quiver and, and, and give everything your best possible shot. And I think there are times when I can look back and think, do you know, there, there were opportunities there that I kind of let go and perhaps I shouldn't. But then also I think there are times when, when, yeah, I think, do you know what, that's fulfilled me in so many ways. And, and I did give that a shot. One example just comes to mind straight away. So I started mentoring a, a young lad that I know really well was new into a role with a football club that was a amateur football club in Suffolk and um and I worked really close with him for a while and got therefore involved a little bit involved with the football club and then they approached me and said would I take on the role of being chairman I had no intention of that whatsoever I don't have a huge amount of time but there was something about the club and something about the way that it was run and that I looked at that and thought, actually, do you know what? I, maybe I could add value here. And I really buy into the mission and the values about what that football club is about. And it would have been really easy to have come up. And there was a hundred reasons why I didn't need to take that on. But but I did. That was two or three years ago now. And and it's been a wonderful journey. I Others will have to tell you whether I've added value or not, but it, but certainly it's given back to me so much in terms of what I've got from them in terms of developing and evolving my skills and 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 yeah, just the experience and of what that club's actually achieved. So so it's a football club that believes in helping people get better at life as well as at football, and I love that. And um, obviously, I love my sport as well. So, so yeah, I think that's the thing for me that I that I would encourage people to learn is that when you opportunities come their way, take them, grab them by the horns. Great. So, on that, we're going to leave you to get back to your wrapping your Christmas presents or preparing for the in-laws or outlaws to arrive. Whatever is uh, whatever is planned for you at Christmas, uh, Trevor and I just want to thank you so much for being a part of our podcast so far and we hope that as we head towards 2022 we've got many more chapters and many more stories to to unwind and we hope that you'll journey with us um along the way but for now all that remains for us to say is happy, happy christmas, christmas.